I'm Laura Vinroot Poole. For 20 years, I've owned Capital, an internationally recognized specialty store. Capital has never really been about fashion. It's always been about people. What We Wore was created to share the meaningful journeys that inspire me. From the designers and friends I meet on the road to the men and women with whom I work each day. Everybody wants to know her Marion Park is a foot and ankle surgeon turned shoe designer. We talked about her transition to the fashion industry and healthy feet in the time of the pandemic. This is our first episode in our wellness series. Marion, I'm so excited to hear your voice. Likewise. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I haven't seen you and I, I don't even know how long it's been now. Because our, our understanding of space and time is so odd. <laughs> I don't know if it was 10 years ago or like 10 months ago. Right. It's just a bummer. You know, we're used to seeing each other. How are you and where are you? I am in Minneapolis. Nice. My husband and um, our kids, we've been here really for the duration. I was actually in Italy in January before, you know, the coronavirus really hit Italy. I was, you know, just, I was there weeks before. And I was at Disney World with my kids about <laughs> like, you know, two weeks before lockdown. So we sort of got a lot of things out of our system, I guess. <laughs> How about you? Are you in Brentwood? No, I'm in Charlotte. I've been in Charlotte the whole time. And I, I like you, I was in Italy, I think, four times since December and never haven't shown up with any antibodies or anything, which is odd, but <laughs> missing Italy this summer and missing market. And and by the way, do you know, do you know the, the way that we met? Maybe you, you should start because it's really your story. I was in Italy with my whole family in Tuscany and staying in a house and um, the man that owned the house uh, had worked in, in the shoe industry forever and said, I have this person I'm working with that I think you would love. And I was kind of like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I gave him my email address and he sent me your contact and, and some of the prototypes and it was so beautiful and it was so exciting. And I don't know, Marion, that I knew at that time that you were a podiatrist or a doctor. I mean, I think this, I just thought the shoes were beautiful. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it was such a funny story. We're talking about the head of my uh, production team. He and I designed the collection together. He has taught me everything I know about production and design and footwear because I obviously came into this industry, not from a design background, but from a, a medical background. And um, he and his wife, uh, his name is Marco. Mm -hmm. Marco and his wife, Cecilia, actually had both decided to retire um, and this beautiful villa that they bought basically from, you know, rubble, you know, right outside of Siena, about halfway between Siena and Florence. He really came out of retirement to work with me because he loved my concept so much. Yeah. He's um, a footwear veteran, you know, been in the footwear industry for 40 years. And when I said to him, I said, look, I want to take what I know as a foot and ankle surgeon and really elevate it to the luxury level of, of footwear. And he really liked that idea. I remember we had just finished that first season and he called me or emailed. I don't, I don't remember. And he said, Marion, there is a guest in the villa 
who um, <laughs> who had a beautiful store. And of course, I you know I obviously knew of Capital and and he said the owner she said she walked down to dinner and she looked like she stepped out of a Botticelli painting. <laughs> Her hair was so beautifully braided and she had this beautiful long gown. And I said, oh, yeah, that's Laura. (laughs) That's nice. That made me blush. You know, it was the very beginning. I didn't have a single retailer. I didn't have a single, you know, uh, know, contact in in the fashion industry. So it was... It was one of, you know, a few early signs in the process for me that, okay, I think I'm sort of getting this message that maybe this might work. <laughs> this so. sounds crazy, but it just might work. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> exactly. Can we start from the beginning and can you tell me, you're from the Midwest. You're from, no, you're from Oklahoma. Right. right. I was born. Which is not, is that, the, is that considered the Midwest even? It's, you know, a little bit like Texas where people say yeah. south, but it's not really. It's its own planet. <laughs> it's just sort of, I mean, and some people say Midwest, you know, some people say the Southwest. Yeah. It's just a little bit of its own sort of place, but uh, I grew up in Oklahoma City and I haven't lived in Oklahoma and almost 20 years, but I certainly, I still have family there. You grew up in Oklahoma and had you always wanted to be a doctor? I mean, how did that start? Or did you always want to go into fashion? I get asked that a lot and I think about that a lot. I was an athlete growing up. Um, As a kid, I played, you know, soccer and then more seriously field hockey Mm -hmm. in high school. And I was always so impressed and I always really admired the the parents who would run out onto the soccer field or the field hockey field when someone would get hurt, you know, they would come <laughs> to rescue. And I always thought, oh, I want to be, I want to be that, you know, that, that guy or that girl. I agree with that. That is really, that was really cool. <laughs> I just thought, oh, yeah, I want to be the one who comes to the rescue. And then of course, in residency, when you, you're on call for the first time, it gets old really quick. <laughs> Paged at 2 a.m. The first time you get paged at 2 a.m. to go in and help someone, it's great. And then by like the third day, you're, you're kind of over it. My, my brother's a doctor. He's an ER doc, but I always love traveling with him. I've had a couple times with him when they've called over the um, airplane on the intercom to ask if there's a doctor on board. And he's like, yes, there is. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it's funny because my husband, he's uh, he's an MD. And the day after he graduated from medical school, that was his biggest fear was to... <laughs> We went to a baseball game. I'll never forget this. We were at a Cubs game in Chicago and a pregnant woman, a very, very pregnant woman sat down next to us and he thought, oh my God. And no joke, 10 minutes later, like two more pregnant women sat down. In front of us. <laughs> and so how did you choose podiatry? Had you always been in defeat? I've always been in defeat. <laughs> Again, looking back, I think I think I was. Well, I shadowed a, a family friend who was a podiatrist and- really liked it. I liked that the the profession really, um, you know, first of all, it's evolved tremendously. And that's an understatement over the past 30 years. Podiatrists really uh, have become the experts in the foot and ankle. They've become um, the experts in the surgical realm of the foot and ankle, um, which didn't used to be the case 30 or 40 years ago. You know, someone who enters into the field of podiatry can you know, have that focus of foot and ankle surgery, but you also have the sort of element of dermatology and you can work with kids, you can work with adults. Uh, there's there's a lot of variety and you can sort of choose the that sort of the lifestyle that you want in terms of, you know, if you want to be called at 2 a.m. for the ankle fractures, 
by your brother in the ER <laughs> or right. or if you'd rather sort of be focusing on kids or elective surgery and that sort of thing. I think one of the things, yeah, maybe subconsciously that I had at, at an early age in the back of my mind was, you know, the frustration with shoes and getting, whether it's just getting a blister or having pain after only wearing them for 20 minutes, I, I remember thinking, why isn't there a footwear collection that is designed with this, uh, this perspective of anatomy and biomechanics? Why is something that has, that really should be so very functional, not traditionally designed with that sort of background? So I think that combination of, you know, being intrigued by science and medicine and, you know, being, you know, a lover of fashion, I, I think those two worlds sort of came together in that way at a young age. What were your patients' most common injuries and, and did they involve high heels? <laughs> I mean, was it an actual problem? <laughs> well, I mean, I'll never forget when I was a resident and a woman came in with bilateral, which means both, both mm-hmm. ankles um, fractured because she was walking her dog in high heels. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll, I'll always remember that. But, you know, when I got into practice, I, I realized I would be speaking to you know, every patient, not just women, but men, children, you know, parents, I was telling them what to look for when they went shopping for shoes. There are a lot of things that sort of stand to reason that you think uh, should make a shoe comfortable, but that really isn't the case. Mm-hmm. Don't, get, don't get me started on memory foam. <laughs> memory foam is not for everyone. It really is for a specific foot type. It is not for everyone. So no matter what people were, you know, coming, patients were coming into my office for, I would almost always end up looking at their shoes and their footwear and saying, <laughs> hey, here's the test. Here's what's here's wrong. your problem. <laughs> I realized I sort of had this ability to look at a shoe, whether it's a, a woman's, you know, high heel or even a sneaker, but I could look at a shoe and almost instantly tell you, if and why it would be uncomfortable. You know, it's just as I, you know, kept seeing patients and talking about footwear, the conversation would evolve into, you know, Dr. Park, you should you should go in the news and tell people <laughs> how to shop for shoes. And that sort of evolved into, you should make shoes. And it came up with enough frequency that I thought, you know, maybe I should. And I said to my husband, I, I feel like I have this unique skill set to bring you know, the medical background to the, the fashion world, but again, do it in a very tasteful and elevated way. I think, you know, we all know there have been plenty of you know, attempts to blend those two worlds in the past, but they've really fallen short on the fashion piece. And then, and did your husband think you were nuts or what? Well, he's <laughs> nothing but supportive. And he did say to me, and, and this was more of a challenge to how you know, asking me basically how badly I wanted to do this. And he said, well, Marion, if it's such a great idea, how come someone hasn't done it? <laughs> and, and, and he's right. And I said, well, you know what? It, it has been attempted. It really hasn't. I mean, you could yeah. do it too, Laura. I mean, there have been so <laughs> many attempts to bring the two worlds together. And I think that there just hasn't been the right the right level of, of taste and quality. No, nobody worked with Marco, I guess. Right. right. <laughs> and how did you get connected to Marco? I earned a patent for my insole. Um, gosh, Your arch crazy. cookie. Yes. And tell, and tell me about that. I mean, how did you, like, did, how did you know that you needed to patent this? So uh, I come from a, a long line of lawyers. Actually, the, 
photos in our, our family album is a photograph. It looks like two cowboys out on a, you know, a range and they're standing in front of a tent. And my maiden name was Garrett. And on this sign on the side of this tent next to these two cowboys, it says, Garrett and Garrett, lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, you know, lawyers, you know, back in like the land run era. So my grandfather was a judge. My father was an attorney. But when I, you know, had this idea of, okay, how am I going to bring what I know to to this product, you know, you're making a product. Um, I said, okay, um, we're going to basically take the traditional insole, the, the one that's been used in Italian factories for literally decades, and we're going to turn it into an orthotic. So I took the principles that um, I've used, you know, for patients in my office to make orthotics or insoles and developed an insole that can be permanently applied in the Italian footwear process. So it is not removable, again, permanently applied, so it doesn't shift around and move. Uh, and so I knew that I would have to go over to Italy and find producers, but I also knew that if I went over and started meeting with factory owners, they had all of the resources at their own, yeah, their own fingertips to do it themselves. So I knew I needed to protect my idea. So I went to an intellectual property attorney here in Minneapolis. I said to him, look, I want to go over to Italy, but I need to, I want to protect this idea. So we filed the first patent application and I said, well, can you also help me to find an attorney in Italy in case I have any problems there? I might need a, an NDA written in Italian. Um, he said, no problem. <laughs> so I was introduced, it's a long way of saying that I was introduced to um, my attorney um, over in Italy. When I spoke to her the first time, she said, you know, I have a, a very good friend who has been in the footwear industry for several years. And, you know, maybe when you come over to meet me in person, maybe I have him come to our meeting also, and he could just give you some thoughts. And that friend was Marco. Were you still practicing medicine at this point? Oh, yeah, Laura. No, I practiced for about a year and a half while <laughs> I was – it was insane. <laughs> um, I was flying back and forth to Italy. I was flying back and forth to New York. Before this process of the making the orthotic and taking the insole out, did you, did you like open up your Manolo Blahniks and see what was inside or did you always know that? Yes, that, that's exactly what I did. And I, wow. I bought some inexpensive pairs of shoes to – you know, dismember and glue my prototype into the shoe. You'll appreciate this since you love music like I do. The gentleman who helped me to develop my first prototype to take over to Italy, um, he is an orthotist. So he was making all of those custom insoles for my patients in my office. And I said to him, look, I want to, you know, make this prototype. Um, he's a fascinating guy. He was actually in the Bruce Springsteen video with Courtney Cox dancing. In the no. When you go back and watch the, the <laughs> video, it's, you know, Courtney Cox is looking around going, yeah. who, me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Dave, who um, made my first prototype, he's standing right next to her. It's so fun. That's unbelievable. Like, what was the final straw for you stopping practicing medicine? Or? I do maintain my license. I keep going to conferences and keeping up my continuing medical education because really, it is the reason that I started the the company and it is my point of difference, but I'm, I'm not seeing patients. I, I got to the point where I realized 
and you can speak to this too, that the fashion industry really, and owning your own business, it's just not a part-time job. No. And now there is, is being a foot and ankle surgeon. I mean, I, I would do surgery on a patient and then have to fly to New York or fly to Italy. And I'd have to send mm-hmm. my partner's 25-year-old male. He had an Achilles tendon repair 10 days ago. You just have to take out the sutures if the wound looks good. You know, and they're like, Where are you going? <laughs> I'm like, why New York? And I, it was, it was funny. It was at a time I wasn't really sure who to tell and how to tell, especially my professional friends, what I was doing because I was so nervous about what people would say. That was a, a real concern at the beginning. I thought, oh my gosh, are my all my friends who I've you know gotten to know professionally are they going to think I'm crazy? Are they going to come out against what I'm doing? But the overwhelming response has been so positive and so supportive. You spend so much time to become that that it really is a huge part of who you are. And so to to let that go, I guess, or almost completely let that go is a big deal. Right. Were you scared and or or were you relieved or excited or probably I think all of the above. Yeah, <laughs> probably all of the above. Not seeing <laughs> patients anymore was was the hardest part because and and not doing surgery because I love doing surgery. I love I love educating my patients. I was really good at surgery and yeah. and so that was that's a hard thing to walk away from. I I say all the time that I now with my shoes feel like I'm helping far more women and probably an exponential number of women more. Uh, well, you're making people really happy. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the fashion industry. Was it welcoming to you when you started or how, how did you break into it? How did you navigate that? Yeah. Coming, well, also being based in Minneapolis, which is other than Prince, who is, <sighs> was extremely fashionable, probably not the not too related to the fashion industry. Have you have you been here, Laura? Have you seen no Paisley Park? I, no, and I, I have got to come. When you come, we'll we'll go. It's really. I mean, they. It was Prince had so much foresight. It was almost like he had built it in a way that he knew it was going to be a mecca. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the owners of Graceland, I think, um, bought it, and it was they they were able to turn it around within. Oh, really. Yeah, it was, it was very quick. I'm a huge Elvis fan too. Oh, I know you are. <laughs> well, I mean, the, you then you just have to come to Paisley Palace and, and see it. So it's it's really amazing. But but no, back to your question about entering the fashion industry. I, I was nervous about coming in, and I think to some a certain extent, I still sort of am because I think I'm you know in some ways an outsider, not having been um, to design schools or being self taught. I remember we first presented the collection in New York. It was it was funny because editors who would come through and see the collection would say, "I'm like, where are you from? Where are you based?" Like, <laughs> you know, it was everyone was confused. I would say that everyone was was really welcoming, honestly, because we you know in fashion, everyone loves something new, right? Something shiny, new. The collection really brought something that people and women are, you know, they're looking for. And I think that was on some level really refreshing and exciting. Tell me a little bit about the pandemic and, and how that's been. You opened four years ago and then all of a sudden this happened. So <laughs> what have you, tell me what you've learned and, and how you've pivoted. I mean, it's a really hard, I don't have to tell you this, it's a really, really tough moment in retail right now. I've said since the beginning that the women's dress shoe category specifically, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, but I I feel like the women's dress shoe category is an especially difficult one to sell online Mm -hmm. only. 
Yeah. Um, I think there's a huge amount of touch and feel involved. Well, I mean, especially with your shoes, because I think that more than anything is when you put them on, you freak out. I mean, you're just like, how can a shoe be this comfortable? (laughs) A heel, you know? I mean, my shoe specifically, right? You have to try the shoe on and feel the difference. You really can feel the way that your weight is redistributed. With women in dress shoes, we've all been there, a half size, which is only about three millimeters, by the way, can make a huge difference in the way that the shoe fits and feels, you know, and not everybody, you know, does the thing where they order three different sizes and (laughs) two back. Thankfully, that would be just such a, a pain on our end. But sometimes you need to try on three different sizes to see if the shoe works. So, you know, wholesale and and brick and mortar presence is is a very important part of our business model. Obviously we have e-commerce too. You have to these days, but you know, the, the pandemic and, you know, the concerns about being in public um, spaces has certainly slowed things down. I've been saying that the pathway to success is not a straight line. <laughs> we were on a really um, sharp um, straight line with growth up. Uh, and um, yeah, this is going to be, you know, our, you know, disruptor year. And I think the silver lining for us is that I think women are gonna, going to come out of this wanting comfort more than ever. I don't Absolutely. Think, right. I, I don't think that women will want to return to the traditional dress shoe as they know it. I think that they, after being in sneakers and in house shoes for so long, women will, will challenge that um, more than ever. So, and that's our true point of difference. And how has virtual market been for you? You know, we're actually doing our first virtual market in August, Laura. Um, <laughs> we completely skipped June because it was it was just too soon. We were sort of yeah. finding our way and, you know, what was going to make sense for us. So we'll see. How's it been for you all? Uh, it's not that fun. <laughs> you know, it's um, and it's clunky. And I think one of the things that's always been frustrating about the buying business is that everybody shows differently, you know, all the collections show differently. And so you have to readjust for every person's way of selling. Mm -hmm. And um, we have always done a really good job keeping our focus and doing things the way we do things, you know, that we bring our, all of our protocol, all of our best practices within each appointment rather than letting them kind of change us, you know, and we've, we can do that in person. I'm really confident, uh, confident about that, but virtually via zoom, it's been really hard because, you know, it's hard to, I mean, when somebody wants to walk you through the showroom for three hours and you're just kind of like, I am not doing that. I'm sorry. Um, we have 45 minutes. So it's just, it's much more awkward and, and we're getting better at it. I honestly think it'll be kind of interesting to be able to see the whole picture visually on a computer virtually rather than in person. It may, it it might almost be clearer to know what we have coming in and why. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is just a lot, obviously a lot less fatigue. I mean, the whole market process is over two months rather than 10 days. It's been interesting. It's been frustrating at times, but um, I think in the end, it'll be a good thing. I just think, uh, you know, a big part of this art form is I mean, it's the touch, again, the touch and the feel. Like, how does that fabric really feel? How does hardware on that buckle really feel in your hand? And how does it look? I'm anxious to see how it works. I can 
tell you that every single shoe that's ever come into the store, I'm a, I'm a size six and a half. So I've tried on every single shoe that we buy for the store and, and I won't buy it if it's not comfortable. And I also won't buy it if it doesn't look beautiful looking down on it, which is Mm -hmm. how people buy, that's how they fall in love with shoes. And so that part actually has been weirdly hard. We had a shoe appointment today and, um, it was, it was on this model and it was just sort of a side view. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's hard. I say all the time that women shop for shoes with their hearts and not their yes. heads. So that's <laughs> until, until until they met you, and then then. <laughs> well, it's funny because uh, when I again, you know, met Marco, and I, I told him, I said, I have to be producing in the best factories in all of Italy. I said, I want, I want the factories who are making every brand that you've heard of, I, you know, I, I, that's what I want. And he said, you know, it's, it's expensive to produce in those factories. And I said, you know, women shop with their hearts and we have to have the best in craftsmanship and the, mm-hmm. the best talent because I want women to look at my shoes and say, I think that shoe is so beautiful. I would wear it even if it was uncomfortable. Yep. And when they hear, oh, do you know Marion Park? Do you know her story? And then they, like you said, you try it on and you feel the difference. It's like, okay, this is everything I've, I've ever wanted in a shoe. <laughs> uh, so that's, yeah, that's a big part of, you know, of the brand. But but you're right, looking down from the woman's perspective. It's- I will rarely look at a shoe in the mirror. It's mostly the look down thing. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say that I, I also think, the other thing for you is that people, in, in, in my case, in, in our store, people also fall in love with you personally. And you've come in, and done events here. And I think that that makes such a big difference. And I'm ready for that, you know, for you to come again and do trunk shows in person because it, it makes such a huge difference to know you and to understand your story. Well, thank you. I really miss that part. And it, it is part of what I miss about seeing patients too, is, you know, having that opportunity yeah. to engage and to, you know, almost to teach. It'll be back. We'll be back. It'll be back. <laughs> this um, podcast is part of our wellness series. Can you give the listeners any tips on foot wellness, especially during the yeah. pandemic? Because everybody's barefoot. I'm <laughs> oh my gosh. And did you, I'm so excited. So Marie Claire, Said, uh-huh. um, I don't know if you saw this. They said, like, forget the barefoot Contessa. Here's the arch support Contessa. <laughs> yes, I'm the arch support Contessa because I, I adore Ina Garten. I mean, she's like everything <laughs> to me. She's up there with like Oprah. That's one of the big um, take homes. You know, everyone is at home. And I think so many of us go barefoot at home. Yeah. And going barefoot is like, indoors or outdoors, one of the worst things you can do for your feet. So what I always encourage people to do is to find a pair of shoes, a a house shoe that has arch support in it. I know you're a Birkenstock girl. (laughs) And now Tiva. I've gotten kind of into Tiva's. Okay. So Tiva's Thing. They have um, a contouring. So Birkenstock shoes, similar to my shoes, have a, a, a sculpting and a contouring to their insole. The way that you make it your house shoe is that you don't go outside in it ever. You mm. buy it at the store, bring it into the house, and it, you only wear it around the house. And it was funny because when that Marie Claire article came out, people were saying, ew, gross, I'm not going to wear shoes inside the house. And I said, well, you know, <laughs> new shoe, you're never going to wear it outside. You don't even wear it to, you know, like run something out to the to the garbage. Right. Right. 
Because so it stays clean and all of those things. Yep. It's not going into your garage. It's not going in your driveway or your yard. It's only inside the house. If you imagine the arch of your foot, every time you take a step or bear weight on your foot, your arch and the way that your, your foot is constructed, your arch lowers a little bit. And then if mm-hmm. you take weight off of your foot, your arch raises. Um, that's a gross oversimplification. But imagine <laughs> as your arch height raises and lowers over time, how your foot can get fatigued and sore. And that's right. true also with wearing, you know, let's say a simple ballet flat or a shoe that's mm-hmm. too flexible. Um, it mm-hmm. allows that arch to raise and lower or, or, or bend in a way that it shouldn't. So that leads to soreness and fatigue. So that's why you should wear shoes with an arch in them uh, rather than going barefoot. The other thing to do right now um, is to stretch your calves. The number one problem that podiatrists see is heel pain. And the number one cause of heel pain is something called plantar fasciitis. Have you ever had Mm -hmm. plantar fasciitis, Laura? Guess what? I got it during quarantine because I started to run. Uh-huh. <laughs> walking their dog more than ever, exercising more than ever. So there's a structure on the bottom of the foot or the plantar aspect of the foot is, is um, the bottom of the foot. But this structure is the, called the plantar fascia. And the fascia is sort of like a rubber band, but it has a consistency of celery. If you go back to this uh, sort of image in your mind of the arch of your foot raising and and lowering every time you take weight off or or put weight back onto your foot, that that celery or that rubber band stretches and Mm -hmm. it inserts into your heel. So if you can imagine when you are overextending that plantar fascia, maybe you're pulling it too frequently, if you've gained weight, like in pregnancy, it's a really common problem. It pulls that rubber band from its insertion on the heel and that pulling and the inflammation causes pain. And so stretching your calves can alleviate that? So, yeah. So stretching your calves. So the gastrocele- I'm doing it now. Yeah. <laughs> so the gastrocele complex is that, you know, your calf muscle in the back of your leg, it's one of the most powerful muscle groups in the entire body and it can get tight. And one of the ways it gets tight, obviously, is when we sleep at night, you know, mm-hmm. our toes are typically pointed or we call plantar flexed. And mm-hmm. in that position for several hours, the calf muscles are shortened. Right. Or technically the, the Achilles tendon, right, gets shortened. And that's when it hurts the worst when I wake up in the morning and get out of bed and I'm like, oh. Or a textbook. Textbook. Okay, textbook. Okay, good. Textbook. It's called post-static. I'm on trend. You are on trend. Post-static dyskinesia, to get really nerdy on you, which means after you've been sitting for a period of time you stand up and have pain. So it might happen first first step out of bed in the morning, or even if you're just sitting at your desk um, for mm-hmm. a period of time and you stand up um, again, then you feel it. So what you have to do is the, I, the way I describe the stretch is the old runner's stretch. Mm-hmm. So you're doing that sort of lunge forward with your knee bent. Let's say if you're stretching your right leg, your left leg is forward and the knee is bent. And mm-hmm. your right leg is extended back, and you're forcing that right heel down into the ground. And right. you should feel a really good stretch uh, across the back of your, your right leg as you force your heel down into the ground. Now, the key to doing this stretch the correct way is to make sure that the toes of your right leg, your right foot, are pointing straight ahead. The tendency we have, especially when your, your calf muscle is tight, is to rotate your toes outward. 
to move your toes outward, rotate your toes outward will make the stretch less effective. So the key is okay. you've got those toes lined up straight ahead. You force that heel down into the ground. No bouncing, just mm-hmm. constant pressure for about 30 seconds. And then, you know, alternate, you know, right and left so that you can get about a minute and a half on each side. Well, this is about the world's best podcast <laughs> because you really, really helped me with the problem. On every podcast, we ask what our guests wore to the prom. And I can't wait to hear what you wore in Oklahoma. Oh, my gosh. So, well, there is junior prom and then senior prom. <laughs> so, in junior prom, I remember I wore – it was funny. I, this was – so, I graduated high school in 2000. So, um, and the way that my school um, always had prom is they always had it after graduation. Okay. Which is sort of a unique approach, but it was, I think it was because perhaps people got in trouble. and I was, was just going to say it kept people out of trouble for sure. <laughs> Graduation was over. Junior prom was in 1999, and I remember I had this dress. It was sort of like a periwinkle purple, and it was made out of, you know, everyone tried to put a shine on the word polyester and <laughs> um, call it like dirty, right? <laughs> So I remember it was like a jersey material and it was this periwinkle purple. And I'm, this is the Oklahoma part. I had shoes dyed to match. Don't knock the prom dress because it actually sounds beautiful. And it sounds like Uma Thurman's Prada um, Academy Award dress. I think you were just ahead of your time. Very, very generous praise. (laughs) And do your dyed to match shoes, do you remember them being comfortable or uncomfortable? (laughs) You know, it's funny. I don't really recall. I don't really recall. But I, I, I remember the pair of shoes that really pushed me over the edge to create the collection. <laughs> Tell um, me. When I went to a wedding, this was, gosh, about a, a year before I applied to podiatry school. I, was, I went to a wedding and the send-off was sparklers. Mm-hmm. And I was barefoot because my feet were hurting. I, I was wearing a pair of shoes that I had couldn't even dance in, but I went out to the send off for the, um, with, with the sparklers and I stepped on a hot. No, yes. no, it was awful. Laura. It was awful. I had a hole in the bottom of my foot for weeks and I thought oh, to myself, word. if those shoes hadn't been comfortable, I would not have been barefoot. You know, I want to be the last girl on the dance floor. I don't want, I don't want to be barefoot, you know, wearing, you know, something that I love. I love the dress I have on, but then I'm barefoot. I mean, that's not, that's not no. the look. <laughs> that's not the look. Right? Well, you, um, well, you succeeded. You'd make something that you can stay in for five hours and be fine. Thank you. And should we also mention, Laura, that we have set up a special trunk show, virtual trunk show page. You and I have curated a Marion and Laura's, you know, favorite shoes page. <laughs> Everyone can log into the page only with the special passcode, which is what we wore and get 10% off. And yeah, it's that easy. That's exciting. I'm excited. Well, Marion, promise you'll come back soon in person. Oh, Yes, please. I, whenever you're ready to have me, I will be there. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, Laura. Bye. 
What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drazda. What We Wore is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.